Father in heaven, we turn unto thee in the morning of this new day and loving gratitude for thy care over us through the past night. We thank thee today for home and food and clothing, for service to which thou hast called us, and for a measure of health and strength to serve thee, for friends to love and serve, and above all, for the revelation of thyself through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray thee to bless our home today, guard every one of us in the hour of temptation. Keep our feet from the paths of sin. Keep us from using selfishly any of the blessings that thou hast bestowed upon us. Fill our lives with the joy and peace and satisfaction that comes from living in obedience to thee. Cleanse and purify thy church cleanse and purify thy church and strengthen it for the service for which thou hast redeemed it empowering all those who preach and teach thy blessed word in our land and in the distant lands fill thy church with a passion to finish the task thou hast given to it to do grant to everyone we love thy riches and fullest blessing for this day we pray in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that the body of Christ, the pastors and leaders of such major big churches will rise up and take their position and stand for the kingdom to come against those things that are coming against you and your laws, Father. And I ask you, Lord, to continue to reveal to me the things you want me to know. So when I speak, Master, will be those things you will have me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Praise the Lord. And um, in reading my devotion this morning, I think I'll share the upper rooms. And prayerfully, you guys have read today's devotional. If not, make sure you do. And also seeking God uh, for the city. I just, the vision of this pers a person or persons, who, whoever has started this is, it was just so awesome. I was just thinking, him, what an awesome privilege that we get to pray for our uh, nation and other nations, uh, for at least for um, 40 days, if not more. But then also, our ministry had been signed to pray for the states. And I don't think, okay, that's to be continued on. But in the upper room, I thought it was uh, something good to share. And um, they're using 1 John 5, 14 as a reading of, uh, to express what they were talking about. And the title of this day is and Anytime, Anywhere. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. <laughs> Since when I was a child, I spent a part of each summer with my grandparents. I love exploring about, around their big farm. One day, as I was going down to the creek to rake up, to rake out pretty rocks, I heard my grandpa praying. His voice was coming from the corn crib, where he often had his private devotions. As I listened, I heard him say my name. Grandpa asked God, now listen to what he's asking. Grandpa asked God to put a desire in my heart to live for God. 
and for God to keep me safe from harm. And that's what we need to be praying for all of uh, our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Put a desire in their hearts to live for God, and God will keep them safe. But the most important part is a desire in their hearts to live for God. It says, I wondered if he prayed for me daily. Somehow that thought made me feel safe and secure. When I was a teenager, I gave my heart to the Lord. I wondered would it have happened that soon if he hadn't been praying like that. <laughs> and I've tried to be a faithful Christian follower for many years. I now pray daily for my six grandchildren. The Bible tells us that the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective in James. My grandpa's prayers for me have taught me that we can pray for anyone, anytime, anywhere. Members of our family, the children of the nearby park or playground, a stranger on the bus. Then in Psalms 91.15, we find assurance that God God's hears, hears us and answers us. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. And so her prayer was, oh God, thank you for the people who pray for us and the positive influence they can have on our lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, we're in um, a new book, Philemon. Okay, and, and the title is Love Produces Faith. Faith. Now, um, In this epistle, and in all of Paul's epistles, he continuously, consistently, and faithfully rehearsed and remind the leaders and the believers of whose they are, who they are, and why they are saved. And, and this is called discipleship. Okay, so many people think they have already arrived when they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You're just beginning. It's a thing called discipleship, and this is why we have a falling away, and, the, and those who haven't fallen away, but they're not even following. Okay, because we're not growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which enables us to stand in faith and grace, walking with him on a consistent basis, okay? As we grow up in the foundation of Jesus and his cross, then we can go deeper in revelation. Because, uh, you know, people always talking about they want to hear the deep stuff. The deep stuff is that you're saved. Don't get any deeper than that. And if you can't comprehend that, you won't be able to comprehend the greater revelation that is in the word, okay? If there is any, if there is no or no solid foundation, how can you go deeper? You can't build on something that doesn't exist, okay? Growth is building upon, and you must be established to build upon. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to begin to read uh, the scriptures and then we'll try to dissect them. Okay, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, 
and Timothy, our brother, unto whom Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So here, Paul saw himself more than a prisoner of the Roman Empire, but a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He knew, especially since that's where he was from, the Roman Empire had no legal bonds or rights to put him in captivity. But it was all about his faith and his stand for the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ, of whom they really hated, was Jesus. Okay? Paul also knew Jesus' grace would keep him. And, and they wanted to do away with Jesus, who is the power and authority over everyone else and all power. And so as a result, no other power could handle or destroy Jesus Christ. This is why they was trying to destroy the believers because they th thought that they would get Jesus and the church. That is the same thing that goes on today, okay? This is why the enemy and the antichrist spirit over our government and some of the people have plot and work at destroying the church establishment and the body of Christ to get to Jesus. He's not concerned about us. He wouldn't even be bothered with us. He's trying to get to Jesus. And we, the body of Christ, are too asleep, too selfish. I don't know what the problem is, that we are not aware or awakened enough to realize what our mission is, is all about on earth to stop what they're doing, but we go alone because it's, you know what? This morning, as I was getting ready, and you know, I'm just thinking about a lot of different stuff, and I got to, I got to thinking about a song that I used to really like in his day, um, and, and it said, the best things in life are free, but you can give it to the birds and bees, for I need money. And I thought, oh my God, you know, God allow you to go back and reflect on some stuff so you can see how stupid you were. Because I, you know, I, yeah, I like the beat, but I was singing the, the lyrics. So I was making a declaration and singing those lyrics. And I'm thinking, now the best things in life that are free, they come from Jesus. They all come from the Lord, you know, which is love, joy, and peace. But I'm saying you can give it to the birds and the bees because I love money. And I'm like, Lord, forgive me. How ignorant. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, those kinds of things is how things have gotten to where they are now because if you give the enemy a, a little foothold, okay, and so we're in a state now where we're like in unbelief because of what's going on. But the problem is we open the door. And we, the body of Christ, is going to have to wake up and realize that we can close those doors through the authority of Jesus' name and the power of his blood 
to make the difference. But we think that we just have to go along, oh, well, that's just how it is. No, it isn't. Why would he give us authority if that's how it has to be? Why would he tell us whatever you bind on earth, it's bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, it's loose in heaven. All power has been given unto me. I give unto you. You can have what you say when you are praying and seeking me through my word. And his word is constantly telling us what is right and what is moral. So what is our issue? Okay, back to the scriptures. Verse 2. And to our beloved Aphia, bear with me because I don't know if I'm pronouncing these Greek words correct, who happens to be the wife to Philemon, Archiphus, which is his son, our fellow soldier, and to the church in the house. Now, only, not only was he the son, but he also was a minister in that church. And he was having church in home which in those days was the common location for the church. They didn't have a church building. That really blesses me because that's how we got started, in my basement. <laughs> Glory. And I, I remember uh, when uh, Pastor Stewart came to the house and he was just so amazed. He, he was saying, you know, that's how the early church got started, was, was, was in the home. <laughs> He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Well, see, if you don't have it first to the Lord, you can't have it to the other saints. Because if you don't have it first to the Lord, you don't love you. And if you can't love you, you can't love anyone else. Amen. He says that the commandments of thy faith, or I'm, I'm sorry, the communication of thy faith, which meant the sharing of your faith, may become effectual or effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. More is caught than taught. So by the example that you set as you are walking among and living among them, doing as you preach, <laughs> that's what this means. We can talk a lot of stuff, but are you walking in what you're talking? Amen. So he says, uh, verse 7, for we have great joy and consolation. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels or the hearts of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. How many people can say that people are being refreshed by you, and it's not just about what you're teaching, but it's how you're living your life among them? Amen. So now when we get into verse 8, we're getting to the heavy-duty heavy part because this is when Paul begins to intercede on behalf of Onesis, Onesimus, Onesimus, Onesimus to Philemon. 
because of what had happened in the past. He says, Wherefore thou I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin, enjoin thee, or command thee, in other words, that which is convenient or fitting, that which is fit, uh, fitting. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee. In other words, Paul is saying, because of my position as an apostle, I could command you to do what I'm about to tell you to do. But rather, I want to appeal to your nature. I want to appeal to the loving grace that I know you operate in, in this behalf. Okay? He says, yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the age and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And he says, at this point in my life and also um, being imprisoned because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bounds or while I'm in chain. So what has happened is that Onesimus was a, uh, a slave to Philemon who stole from him and ran away. But in the, in the meantime, then he, gets, he runs into Paul and become born again. He becomes converted. So he's no longer the person. Uh, let me see. I wrote up some good stuff, but I'm going all by here now. <laughs> Let me see. It says, Paul intercedes on behalf of Onesimus to Philemon, who was his slave, stole from him and ran away. But during his flight, he encountered Paul and had a conversion. He became Paul's helper. And so now the one who he had stolen from now that he's born again, it's not just his slave any longer, but now he should be considered as his friend because of his new state of being. So Paul was going really deep with this, okay? Now, he had legitimate right because, hold your spot and let's go over to John 15. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. We forget who we're supposed to be. And we handle situations in the same vein that we did before Christ. John 15, 15. Jesus is telling us, because, you know, this fifth, chapter 15 is talking about being a true vine. And so um, Jesus is telling, telling us that um, because now you are connected to me, you are a whole different person. And, and so I'm also, because of the husband man who was the gardener, and you are connected to me, then you get to be purged and, and plucked and cleansed. So whatever is wrong is taken off of you so I can raise you up to be more like me because you are connected to me. Amen. He said, Jan, you don't have to sit out there any longer. How long are you going to sit out there? He says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, 
and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So he says, you're good for nothing but for a fire. But you get burned because, <laughs> because of the fact that the enemy sees your actions more than he knows what's going on in your heart. And as a result, he deals with you based on your activity level. And your activity level is based on your thought pattern. Because you have not told your soul on a regular basis, it's no longer in control or in power that you're following this new heart. You don't have enough get up or go or sense to tell the soul you can't do what you have been accustomed to doing because you are now under a new kingdom. Okay, so this, the, Satan sees your constant actions that tells him you're no more saved than he is. So he deals with you and he sets you on fire. <laughs> and he causes you to always be doing stuff that keeps you separated from the vine. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, see, you got to abide in this word. You just don't hear it. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's good. Oh, oh, wow. I remember you said that before, Pastor. Oh, that's so good. No, huh? Are you walking in it? Have you connected to it where now you demonstrate, you become a walking epistle? He says, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Why? Because when you are abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in you, what you're asking for lines up with his word. It's not a soulish prayer. And he have to honor his word. He don't honor soulish prayers. He only honor his word. So all of that little religious stuff, cast it away because it accomplishes nothing. And that's our issue as the body of Christ. We're operating in religion and not spirituality. Hey, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciple. By the fruit that you're bearing, our Father who art in heaven is glorified by our actions. As the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Continue, in other words, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my, my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So obedience is a key word. Obedience is a key word. Do not think you can perpetrate your way through salvation. Obedience is a key word. He says, verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You want to have joys? Stop looking, talking about, I ain't happy. I want to be happy. No, you need some joy because happiness is fleeting, but joy is lasting. 
And even when we're going through our turmoils or whatever, the, the enemy can't take the joy of the Lord away from you. He says, um, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, we're getting to the key point. Greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. See, you, 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 you left from being just a creation in God's world, and now, because of being saved, we are a friend of God. He says, and if you do whatsoever, you are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you, Henceforth, I call you not servants. You're no longer a slave. <laughs> but the servant knoweth not his Lord, what he doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my father, I have made known unto you. See, as a slave, all you know is what's told to you. But as a friend, you know what's in the heart and the thoughts of your friend, because you're in a deep relationship with them before there was no connection. Are y'all with me? So if Jesus said that, then of course Paul within his right, we're going back. Paul was in his rights when he, when he is appealing to um, Philemon about how to handle now his once slave, but because of his born-again position, now his friend, his co-laborer in the ministry. So now you are obligated to forgive him and let the past be the past and move forward because he's not who he used to be. <laughs> okay. So he says... Um, um, Paul tells him, I could have used my authority as an apostle to make you change your mind and your heart towards him. But instead, knowing the good and the loving person that you are, <laughs> then I'm going to appeal to your born-again spirit <laughs> that you will restore Onesimus, whatever you pronounce his name, as a friend and co-laborer and the gospel, and no longer a slave. Amen? That's what all of this is talking about, but I'll go on and read the scriptures anyway. He says, uh, verse 11, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. He says, when he was a, a slave and unborn, he profited us nothing, but now that he's born again, he's a prophet to all of, all of us. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him. That is, uh, my own bowels. In other, in other words, from my heart, receive him back and receive what I'm saying from my heart. Whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in, in the bonds of the gospel. He, as he says, he ministered to Paul while he's in prison the gospel to help him out, but he needs to come back to you. But without thy mind, would I do nothing? So and without informing you and also really 
uh, uh, petitioning your consent, <laughs> then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm letting you know in advance so that you can benefit, not as it were of necessity, but willingly. So that you would willingly consent and not out of a necessity. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou should receive him forever. Hallelujah, Jesus. In, 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 that particular, in that particular verse, he's saying he had to leave for a season so that he would not be destroyed. And not only not be destroyed, but that he'll come back and be greater for you than he could have possibly been as a slave. Hallelujah, Jesus. So, and that, that season is, is the time that God was preparing his heart by the Holy Ghost to receive the message of the cross so that he could be transformed and changed and translated from darkness into the marvelous light. See, this is what we have to understand. Sometimes people may not get saved under the seeds that you planted, but it's the timing for them to hear what you're planting because the Holy Spirit was working on them, drawing them to hear that particular message at that time. But he has another plan, which will be in the right season for the appropriate time to accomplish the appropriate purpose that he's going to send someone who's going to water that seed to cause an awakening and a transformation so that God can bring the increase and purpose is fulfilled and all that needs to be done is done in its proper timing. That's why we don't fret. See, knowing all of that, if, we, if, the, whole, if the body of Christ came together, this world would be like, woo. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. I, have have y'all heard that they're trying to uh, uh, pass, this, this <laughs> pass this bill that 28 days after birth they can still uh, uh, how are you going to abort something that's already living? Kill a baby? After birth, yes. That's what I'm saying. When you open a door and allow stuff to happen, it don't end with that one little thing that you think you have allowed with, with, you know, with, with your agreement and your vote. We're talking about, but you see, but, mm, 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 mm. help me out. Y'all bear with me, okay? <laughs> but you see, you see how you all, I wish I had a camera to, t <laughs> to take your pictures. You see how y'all are so upset and how you're looking, the thing, how dare them to want to kill this uh, child after birth? Well, let me tell you, that child is just as much human in the womb as it is outside of the womb. We needed to take that same position. See, that's our issue. We have not accepted, like the world haven't accepted, that that's a human being living inside of the womb. And we don't get to choose. And if we would get this angry about it being inside of the womb, but because we haven't, now they have the audacity to want to make a decision after. And so, uh, Mac was said, that's murder. I said, it's always been murder. It was murder when it was in the womb, but now it's blatant. 
It's blatant. That's why you, you don't give the enemy an inch. Because he will just, you know, that's disgraceful. And, and I just don't know, and you, we all need to be praying, what can we do? I'm talking about this local body to be able to educate young women not to take that position, that they have another alternative. I want to educate them that they have another alternative, but I also want to educate them to let them know you can make right decisions where you don't even have to be put in that position. But see, the problem is, is that they don't know who they are and they don't feel good about themselves. And because of that, they have allowed another human being to validate who they are. And, 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 and these men who are having sex with you are not having sex with you to validate you. They're having sex to, to, to get what they need to feel good. And when you know who you are, like this new song they got out, gospel song, when you really know who you are, then can't nobody talk your pants off. Well, let me put it plain. Your panties off and, ha and open up your legs to cause you to do, make a, 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 a decision on, on the spot emotionally that's going to leave you with a lifetime of responsibility. Because once you, that happened, they're out of the picture. They're either going to demand you to get an abortion or they just get to stepping and leave you holding all of the responsibility. Because that's what sin does. When it's done in a righteous way, it doesn't work like that. But sin has results and consequences. And so I would just wish we could come up with a way that we can start. Not, I'm not talking about just the, the young people that belong to this local congregation. I'm talking about where it's open and advertised that anyone can come and get educated and be prepared to war against what the enemy is trying to do to them. So you guys be praying and uh, thinking about that as well. Not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me. But how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Which means he's, he did you some harm, but just to know that he has changed now. It should be a greater blessing to you uh, because of what he's done to you. Verse 17, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as, as myself. And, he, and what Paul is saying, if you count me as a partnership in faith, if you value our relationship in faith, then receive this other brother in love. Amen. If he have wronged thee or oweth thee anything, put that on my account. Now, that's a real brother. And we just read in John 15, he says, the, uh, that a real uh, love is when a man can lay his life down for another man. And that's what Paul is doing. Paul didn't really have no money because he was always asking the, other, the churches to, to do and to help him be able to do the missionary. But he was going to do whatever it took 
in order to restore the one who was lost, which I think comes in Galatians. You being more spiritual, then restore those who are lost. Is either in Galatians or Colossians, one of the two, okay? And then 19, he says, I, Paul, have written, written it with my own hand, and I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thy own self besides. Paul is saying that uh, usually he dictates his letters to either a secretary or a scribe, and, and uh, a few he will pen, but this one he says, I'm penning myself, okay? And so make a note that I'm going to repay you all that um, he owes you. So don't, don't even worry about it, okay? So uh, in 20, he says, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my heart. That bowels means my heart in the Lord. So do the right thing so I can rejoice over you again. That's the bottom line is what he's saying. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I said. So he said, I had great confidence in you, my brother in Christ. <laughs> That's why he has confidence, not in him as a man, but as a believer. So there's more expected out of us as a believer than just a natural man. This is why, you know, when we, uh, we talk about what unsaved people do, well, they, they, they're doing what they do. That's their nature. Now, I'm telling you what I have problems with with saved people doing what unsaved people are doing. Now, that's where I have a problem because more is expected out of you, but also as a, a, a fellow believer in Corinthians, I have the responsibility and the obligation to tell you and get you right. Although Christians today, you, that's mind my, my, your business. You ain't, no, 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 you are my business. Because if I know you're doing wrong, I'm not going to meet Jesus with your blood on my hand. Because I choose to look the other way and, 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 and stay, out of, stay out of your business. First of all, if you ain't acting like the saints you're supposed to, you ain't got no business. <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> Put that in the epistles. <laughs> okay, he says... Having confidence in, in, the, in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt even do more than I say. But with all, even prepare me also a lodging. <laughs> I trust that through your prayers I should be given unto you. Now, in this, this is a, 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 a faith statement Paul is saying. Paul is telling him. I need you to prepare because Philemon was um, financially prepared and able as well as he was uh, a, a praying minister. So he was trusting him for his prayers and his finances as well as Paul's confidence in their Lord and Savior that he was going to get out of prison. That's what this is all about. And so I need you to, to be ready because I'm getting out of here and I'm leaning and depending on all your help 
That's the bottom line to what he is saying. He says, there salute or greet the Ephesus, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Artashus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Well, here, I'm going to read out of my commentary because what we're reading here was the list of people who were almost identical with those that were in Colossians that were uh, ministering and working on the missionary field with Paul. So there was laborers of love that he was relating to and he was saying to greet them uh, on, on his behalf. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with, be with you, be with your spirit. And what we need to understand that this book was a book all about grace. Can you tell? It was all about grace. This was, was, this was the book about grace. And what we need to understand, the meaning of grace, because we, we throw out a lot of spiritual words and you say them so often that we don't really think about what the meanings are. And in some cases, we may not even know what the meanings are. But grace is called unmerited favor. Undeserved acceptance and love received from another. Did y'all hear that? Undeserving acceptance and love received from another. And as a verb, it could mean God's assistance to humans because it's not just given to believers. God's assistance to humans in time of need. God has used, operated grace on our lives before we came to know him, and he does it with other, with other people. As well as his grace comes upon us in order for us to operate in the ministry area that he has assigned us to. We are not doing this on our own ability. It's not by our power. It's not by our might, but it's by his spirit. So grace is steadily operating on us. That's why we should be so humbled, so obedient, and so faithful because we are who we are. We have accomplished all that we accomplished. We do what we do only by the grace and mercy of God. And to take the attitude and the position of pride and arrogance is a sign of a fool. Well, I'm sorry, but that's the last of it. I have to leave it on that note. <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But this is for us. Because usually I do uh, talk about anybody needs to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior because they have not come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. But this is a time for us to renew and ask God to forgive us. Like I said, that was such an awakening when I reflected, and I know he did that, to let me know we've done so much out of ignorance and didn't know. But though it's under the blood, but the consequences are still very present. And anything that God reveals to us that was passed under the blood is for us to have a better understanding in order for us to have victory. See, we... We want, oh, that's under the blood. God don't remember that. So it's far greater. It's far greater than what we understand. This is, 
let me say this, and I've, I've said this before, so many of you have already heard this, but uh, a lot of people don't believe in generational curses. Well, the fact is, that's ludicrous. Because who are your foreparents? Adam and Eve, who committed their original sin in the garden. That meant all of mankind is born in a sinful nature. If that wasn't the case, you wouldn't have to be born again. So you inherit a generational curse called sin. And all of the behavior that went along with it, selfishness, pride, doubt, fear, all of that, we inherit that. So the same works with relatives, that you inherit some things that are a curse as a result of parents. Now, when, after I was saved, and I realized that, that that happened, and I prayed, and I ministered to my, my, my children, but still I realized that there are some consequences of behavior that is going to be passed down because of my sin. So I asked God to deliver them. Don't let the consequences of my sin come upon my children. And you know what he told me to do? Go to them and confess those sins. And ask them to forgive you. Even though they're washed under the blood. Well, of course, my first response was, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. But he didn't let it go. And then that's when I knew there's been occasions when God has told me to do something like that. And I'm thinking, this has got to be Satan. But God won't let you go until it's done. Because he knows that you, 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 you're rebuking him out of ignorance. <laughs> okay. So that's what I did. I gathered him together. And we went to a hotel for the weekend. And I sat down, and I, oh, Jesus, that was so hard. Because I told my sins, and I didn't sugarcoat it, and I didn't pick out certain ones. But you know what? A whole lot of them, they already knew. You think you're getting over it. They see stuff. The children aren't stupid. We treat them like they're stupid, but they're not stupid. But, but at any rate, the fact that, and I won't even say it was courage because it was hard. And I know it was God's grace that allowed me to, to stay face to face and to tell them. But because in their mind, I had enough courage to do that. And I was honest and upfront with them. They were overwhelmed. First of all, my son was like, oh, mama, that's okay. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> But their attitude is, well, if God can forgive mama, 
for the things that she's done, then he can forgive me. It gave him hope. But more importantly, it gave him a renowned respect for me and a trust. So they were not throwing up. You know how uh, you get saved and, and people knew you before and they, and they want to throw up your past to you. Well, you know you used to or you did it. Mm-mm. I didn't get, only time people I got that from was other grown folks. But after I did what I did with my children, mm-mm. no, they, they didn't. They didn't say that. But the consequences from the things that i done did not fall on them. So God was letting me know what I needed to do. Why? Because he said that Satan works undercover, okay? And he can only operate by what he sees. He doesn't know your heart, but he works undercover stuff. And when I went and I told them, I exposed, there's no undercover. I exposed the stuff that he would have been working with on them. So he was powerless. Do you follow what I'm saying? So he had nothing to work with because it's all out in the open. But first and foremost, it was washed under the blood. And, and I also apologize and ask them, please forgive me because what I did just set up a pattern for you. And I'm canceling that in the name of Jesus. That's the power of unconditional love and faith. Let me tell you, religion will have you doing the same old thing, expecting different results. But faith and love will cancel out Satan's assignment, causes you to rise up from sinking sand, and to live in a different state of mind. God didn't call us to religion. That's man's doing. Because with him, just like he said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male or female. There's either no denomination either. He called us to faith to all be in unity and peace one with another. Amen. He didn't call all these different denominations and there are the results of what they've understood from the Bible and came up with their own personal doctrines that governs what they do. Listen, when he comes back, he's not coming back for a denomination. He's coming back for the Church of Michigan. <laughs> the Church of New York. The coming back for the church of that state. Okay? So you can fall in line with all of that silly, foolish, religious stuff. But it's not going to help you at all. He's not interested in how popular you are. How many people, thousands of people you can draw in a building. 
that never gets the real truth to sets them free. He's not interested in any of that. He's not interested in your titles and how much you have accomplished monetarily or any other way. He's only interested in your heart and the work that you do that sets up his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven that draws people from the pit of hell and bring them into the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He's not interested in your accomplishments unless it means you pull a soul from hell. So now is the time to revisit Open up your heart, examine your heart, and ask God to reveal to you what you need to put on his altar and release it and let it go so that you can walk in your salvation this day. And you privately do that. And ask God for, to forgive you of your ignorance. I don't want to walk in ignorance any longer. I don't want to be in denial. I don't want to walk in pride and arrogance in any of these things that does not represent you. You know what? I'm going to read this, and this will also help you because th this was part of the, uh, the message, but I didn't even get to it because I went in a whole different direction. But I'm going to read about what love is all about. In 1 Corinthians 13, and again, this is Paul. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not loved, King James says, charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. In other words, all you're doing is making noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. In other words, all these things were done for showmanship, but not for the pure love of your heart. Okay? Love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunted not itself. It's not puffed up. Do not behave itself unseemly. Seek not her own. Now the pronoun is changing. <laughs> it's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, so it's not your first thought. Rejoices not in iniquity. Rejoices not in the sins that you were born in. See, as a believer, and you're still doing those things that you did before Christ, you're rejoicing in the sins that you were born in. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? You have the same carrying on, the same conversation, the same old jokes, the, the, the same walk and the same old all of that. As a born-again believer, you are rejoicing in those sins that you inherited from Adam and Eve. But rejoices in the truth. 
The truth is, now you are not your own. You were bought with a price, and that was with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love never faileth, but whether there be prophecy, they shall fall, fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesied in part. But when that which is perfect or complete is come, <laughs> then that which is in part shall be done away. In other words, all of the giftings, the spiritual gifts, the spiritual offices are here for a season. And when Jesus comes, there is no need for that. They serve no purpose. The only thing that's going to be lasting is the love that you loved on this side, and it will go on to the other side. But all of the, all what you've done and those gifts had a part. And when Jesus comes, it's over. There's no need for it. The ministry gifts the positions in families. There was no need for it. And so everybody that you're related to after Christ, when he comes, you're just going to know them as a sister and brother in Christ. You won't know your children as your children, your so on and so on. That's why I'm saying you better be trying to get that position right on this side and, and put it in its proper place and stop putting it above our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, like, when it comes to family, the only thing that matters is the love of Jesus in our hearts. And that's what we need to be operating in. And when we operate in that kind of love, then you will step out and do some things that you're not physically comfortable with for the sake of the Lord because your faith is in him and not in you. And you know your future lies in him and not in your hand. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Traveling mercies as you depart from this place. And remember, tell somebody about Jesus. Amen.